For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you recognize a 13-year-old boy who gets into fights at school? Not because he's a boy, but because he's hungry. Or a two-year-old girl who cries all night? Not because she's sick, but because she went to bed without enough to eat. Or maybe a nine-year-old boy who hopes a friend invites him to a sleepover? Not for fun, just so he can have dinner. Or a 15-year-old girl who goes for walks over lunch so her friends won't know she doesn't have anything to eat? I am the one in seven American children who struggle with hunger. Kids you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am child hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 food banks strong. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Glowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes, when we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. This is Scott Richmond and Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, good Sunday morning to you. Good morning, Scott. I'm, I'm glad to uh, uh, have the show this morning. We're going to have a uh, special guest, Michelle Yui, all the way from Maui. She's uh, calling in from Maui. Uh, she's the, uh, uh, the founder of uh, Vim and Vigor, the compression sock company. She's just launched uh, ShopDot, which is a very interesting online service that will help Main Street businesses. We're going to talk to her about that. We're going to talk to her about uh, uh, you know anti-Asian sentiment and backlash because she's just written an article about that. Uh, um, we, we have a lot to talk to Michelle and catch up with her about. She hasn't been on the show for a few years. She's a great guest, always very honest, authentic, and uh, doesn't pull any punches, which we love. And like us, she's a big foodie. She's a huge foodie, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll cover all those areas with her. Well, I'm looking forward to that, Arnie. All right, back with our guest, Michelle Yui, founder of Vim and Vigor. Hey, Sean Hannity. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, get out and get going again. Yeah, but does your car feel the same way? Hmm, good point. For fast, reliable, honest, and reasonable vehicle checkups and repairs, better stop at Brian's Auto first. Tune-ups, brakes, AC service, transmission, leaks, stalling out, you name it. And if your check engine light comes on, they do free diagnostics to help pinpoint what the problem might be. No obligation. The right smaller shop for your car is Brian's Auto. Just off West Broadway and Palmer behind Gomer's U.S. Diesel. 549-9215. The Bell Pipe and Tobacco Shop presents Soulmates. Hello, Hello Otis. Otis. We, we are, are Jim, Jim and Judy. Judy. 
We are here to find the most perfect cigar to match our most perfect love. Lucky you. Our most perfect friends, Tom and Tina, told us about your walk-in humidor. It's right over here. Oh, Otis, our hearts are pounding. Your humidor is like a tobacco-lined love nest. It pampers a stunning variety of world-class cigars. It's the perfect place for two cigar lovers like us. That's great. Oh, there it is. The most perfect cigar for our most perfect love. A Rocky Patel. What did you say? I don't even know who you are anymore. I don't bother. How about I ring them both up? Of course. We're sorry, Otis. You've made us realize that love is not always perfect. The Bell Pipe and Tobacco Shop, 215 West Broadway, downtown Missoula. It pampers a stunning variety of world-class cigars. Now is the time to think Kubota Orange. Big Sky Kubota's open and ready for spring and summer. Move up to Kubota zero-turn mowers, Kubota compact and full-size tractors, utility vehicles, excavators, and skid steers. Take advantage of zero down and zero percent finance offers now through June 30th. See us or go to KubotaUSA.com for more information. Cash sale discounts also available. Work with the local Kubota guys, John and Ben at Big Sky Kubota, three miles west of the Missoula Airport on Highway 10. Think Orange. Eleanor steals your heart. She was diagnosed at five weeks old. It's hypoleukemia, and it's associated with Down syndrome. Being able to come to St. Jude was a blessing and the best place for her. Talking to the doctors and nurses, they were on top of it. They got this, we got this, it's gonna be okay, and we're gonna get through this. Here, it's like a celebration of life. There's so much great stuff happening. The doctors and nurses are her best friends, and you can tell that they love her, and you could tell she loves them. And that relationship is just amazing. We're just so grateful for them. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Arnie, we are back with our guest, Michelle. Michelle Yui, it's so good to see and talk to you again. How you been? I've been I've been hanging in there. It's been okay. I, I have to say though that I'm in Hawaii, so life is pretty good right now. So was there any trouble getting into Hawaii from Missoula or or, or from I, the state from the from the forty eight continental states? I, I mean, it, it, I mean, it was a little bit problematic. You had to get a COVID test seventy two hours before. You had to register on like three different websites. You had to show that you're negative on all these, you know, different sites. And um, finally, I made it. But it was like being here for the past week and a half has made it all worth it. Well, from my Hawaiian experience, you're just getting used to it after two weeks when you Pretty have to much. get on the plane. You then you got to get on the plane and leave, and that's the. I know, part. I know, I know. But you've also been in New York uh, during this uh, this COVID uh, experience. How much time did you, when were you there and how much time did you spend there? I was in New York for the month of February. Um, I hadn't seen my family in about a year and a half. And um, I just had to go back. I was just really missing it. I was really nervous about flying. It's my first, it was like before vaccinations and everything, but I was par- like a paranoid person um, getting on a plane and interacting with people. It, it's kind of weird. It's just like, you know, you get on a plane and these are things that you did normally pre-COVID, like all the time. Right. And then now everything, you look at everyone suspiciously, like someone makes a little cough. You're like, what's going on? You know, right. it's really weird. Yeah. Every, everybody, <laughs> somebody coughs and they throw them out. You know, I know, they like, get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, get off yeah. The plane. yeah. <laughs> so what was New York like in February? It was it was really weird. Um, obviously, it was only, I think, 25 percent capacity in restaurants. Um, they opened up all the outside um, like kind of dining. So they kind of created these awesome outdoor patio eating areas. The thing it was February. So you, we were eating in 25 degree New York City weather. Um, you know, in between like mud and like snowstorms and all that stuff. And I remember like I took my niece out to lunch and um, we were sitting outside and she's like, oh, it's pretty warm. It's only like 20. It's only like 30 degrees. It's it's fine. And I was like, Kiana, which my niece's name, I was like a year ago, you would never be sitting outside <laughs> eating in 30 degree weather. And now you're like, it's pretty warm. It's fine. <laughs> so for our listeners, your family's been in the uh, ice cream business. What's selling ice cream 
in New York City been like for the past 14 months? Uh, I, I don't know. My dad retired uh, about right. 15, 20 years ago. But, um, you know, when I was about five, he bought an ice cream franchise, Carvel. All the East Coasters, like, no, Carvel. They've had a lot of the cakes, Cookie Puss, Fudgy the Whale, you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> cookie Puss is my favorite. It was also Fudgy the Whale. It was exactly. one, one mold for exactly. everybody. It was, it was it was amazing. You know, Michelle, you can go into Walmart in Missoula and get Carvel ice cream cakes. I know, I know. It's it, no. it, really? so they're not franchises. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're they're all in a lot of supermarkets now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was great. You know, it was just it's like a you know family business. I worked there during the summers, like slave labor, from the age of ten to like fifteen. Um, you know, working twelve hour days, three sixty five, the works, making flying saucers. You know, bon bonnets, fudgy the world cakes, you know, day and night. But um, it was a good experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the longest, I had the strongest forearms at the end of every summer. It was amazing. <laughs> so, Michelle, Vim and Vigor is one of your, you know, main foci because it's, mm-hmm. uh, you've, you've been running, you've been CEO of that company for eight years. So, mm-hmm. tell our listeners to refresh their memory a little bit about Vim and Vigor. And how's it been going for you yeah. for the last year or so? So I launched Vim and Vigor about eight years ago, um, and it really started as a side hustle for me. I had a full-time job doing pharmaceutical sales and thought of the idea of stylish compression socks. And so I was on a mission to, to launch it. So I launched it eight years ago. And about three or three or four years ago, I actually went all in. So for the first couple of years, it was a side hustle where I still had my full-time job about three or four years ago, I decided to go all in um, and be 100% on Vim and Vigor. And it's definitely um, an experience. Uh, it's had its ups and downs like any business with COVID. Um, I think we chatted last year um, during this time and we lost about 60% of our revenue overnight because most of our business came from brick and mortar stores. And um, it really forced us to really pivot. We had to cut costs substantially and really moved to a much more of an online model. And um, our business is actually doing pretty well now, actually. Um, this last quarter, we are about 150% up from Q1 of last year. Um, so we are, we made, you know, made the pivot, rebounded, and we're, we're doing really well, I have an awesome team. So never satisfied with having just one job. No. You're now, you just launched six months ago, ShotDop. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so Shop Dot is an I is is a project that I just launched. It's not on the market yet, um, but it's a platform um, that helps retailers grow their product assortment without operational hassle or inventory risk. Um, and the way that it works is retailers partner directly with brand suppliers to provide the product listing, the inventory, and also the drop shipping capabilities for the retailers and customer. And so it allows retailers to grow their product, grow their product assortment, but have a stronger relationship with the brand suppliers to really help providing the end product to the end customer. So Um, how's how's that different from how they do it now? So right now, the way that it works is a retailer, you know, pays up front for inventory, gets the inventory, stores the inventory, and then they, 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 you know, they make their money back as they sell it. Um, mm-hmm. And this is like if they have a brick and mortar store or if they just sell online. Now, um, with online, if you the hard thing is you have these big, big companies like Walmart, like Best Buy, like Amazon that have such deep product assortments that so many retailers can't compete with the Amazons, with the Walmarts of the world because of these you know, deep product assortments, the pricing that they have and the relationships that Amazon has with brand suppliers. So what ShopDot allows um, to have a similar working relationship and model as these big companies with the brand supplier. So where the brand supplier is actually housing the inventory, the retailer, when they sell a product on their website, the brand actually ships a product out on the behalf of the of the retailer. So it so, allows them to really compete in the same way. So what stage is, is, is uh, shot, shot, I can't say it right, shop dot in right now. <laughs> yeah. So ShopDot is currently in development. Um, we just have we have our website, which is shop.app.com, um, where you can sign up if you're interested um, when we launch. Um, but right now we're developing it. We're hoping to launch our kind of our first beta test 
um, in around July, end of July-ish, um, where we're going to have a kind of a closed beta testing of retailers and brands and then see how we do and then um, launch out to the bigger masses after so are you, that. Are you, are you, are you connecting you? the brands and the retailers and exactly. helping mm-hmm. the retailers determine the right products for their brand? Like giving them so that that's going to be a part of a. Mm-hmm. So that is going to be a component of that in the future. There, what we're going to be doing is incorporating some machine machine learning to um, be able to figure out what's moving, what combination of products are moving, provide recommendations for the retailers as well. Um, initially, what we're doing is we're providing the vehicle. Um, to allow the retailers to be able to sell more products um, directly on their website. And so we are connecting the brands and the retailers together. And are you self-financing this or are you raising money for it? Right now, um, we're going to be self-financing it until probably after our initial beta test. And at that point, I'll be raising money. So if anyone's interested in uh, investing in ShopDot, give me a call. (laughs) Are you still involved also with... uh... Dermaxon? So Dermaxon, I'm a strategic Dermaxon. advisor. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a little bit less involved in the day-to-day, but I, I kind of help out if they need any um, assistance with anything if as they're negotiating various contracts or deals. Um, so I'm involved in that. Um, yeah, I, I kind of just like to start businesses. <laughs> it's kind of an addictive thing. And and how do you see now? Because you've been involved in this, you've worked before for submittable, and you've done mm-hmm. you've been you've been in the tech world in Montana for a while now. Mm-hmm. What's the tech scene like now? Man, I, I really think it's it's growing. I mean, I've been interacting with all these different kind of early stage companies where there's a lot of new ideas and innovation um that's gonna be kind of coming out they're looking for funding it they're doing it the right way um you obviously have investors like next frontier and frontier angels that are specifically focused on um investing in montana so i think you, you're, you're starting to kind of form this ecosystem that's happening between innovative companies um you know entrepreneurs ideas coupled with money. I mean, you really need both to be hand in hand in order for this to work. You can't have one without the other. And so I think we're starting to see that that evolution and change. So in converting your business to doing more online sales, how mm-hmm. have you have you modified the operation on the operational side? What types of modifications have you had yeah. to, to accommodate? Yeah. So a few things um, that's it's really funny because when you start doing things more online, it becomes more of an operational game um, and expertise that you need more than anything else. And so, number one, it's really streamlining our inventory and our and our product assortment. Um, so one thing that we started to do now is look doing more product drops. So before we would launch just two collections a year and kind of launch everything at the same time. Now we kind of like seed in new products in between um, the launches that we have. And so inventory is a thing, cash flow is a thing. You know, these are some of the, the real kind of operational challenges that you deal with when you're you're running an actual like company where you're producing something. So that's one component. Um, and really just streamlining kind of the end-to-end communication and interactions that we have with our customers. One good thing about going more direct-to-consumer is that we're a lot closer to our customers than we were when we're working directly with retailers. We still have a a big retail presence, so that's still an important part of our business. But since our e-commerce business has grown, like we're definitely connecting a lot with customers. We're getting more feedback from customers, and that is always a good thing because that helps us really change and shape the brand and where we're going. Have you had uh, have you had any challenges on the manufacturing side because of COVID? Yes. Um, so what we're seeing a lot is just overall delays in shipments, and we're seeing that right now. Actually, I'm, I was supposed to get a shipment about a month ago, and I'm not sure if I'm going to get it in the next you know week or two. I'll be lucky if I get it. So what's happening is that. Um, with a lot of our product is made in Taiwan and Taiwan has actually done really well with COVID and there was no hiccups in terms of producing product. But when you have your product made overseas, um, the shipping containers is actually what's a big problem right now. So shipping containers are coming to the U.S., but shipping containers aren't going 
moving out in the same um, velocity as, as they are coming in. And so there are just massive amounts of delays on when I can even get my product on a vessel to even come to the U.S. There's, also, there's so many like components that have such a huge effect on business um, that you, you don't even think about sometimes. It's just like, oh, shipping container, like just make more shipping containers. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. Well, is, is is the shortage of inbound to the U.S. shipping containers driven the price up? The tra transportation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cost? Oh my gosh, our our transportation cost has increased about fifty to sixty yeah. percent, and this is on a vessel. Like we don't air ship anything; it's way too expensive. Um, but that's just increased the price of everything. And consumer products overall are just massively high right now. I mean, everything yeah. is is high. Does that force companies to start reconsidering maybe bringing manufacturing stateside? I think I think we are. You know, this is something that's been going on, kind of a made in the USA component um, for for many many years. Um, I think possibly, you know, I think that that's something that we may see more of to re which reduce some of those risk of transportation. Um, the challenge of that is. Um, some of the technology and some of the expertise. So I think it really depends on mm. what's produced. Where it can't, it's not like a universal thing that everything can just all of a sudden be made in the USA. I mean, even with with employment of of finding employees to like actually make stuff is is a challenging even right now. So I think you're seeing strains all over the place from like just supply, demand, and also workforce. It, it's 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 kind of rampant all over the world. So we're in these unanticipated and unexpected times. Mm -hmm. You went to University of Chicago and got a degree in economics. You went to Northwestern and Kellogg School and got an MBA. You were at the London School of Economics. You have a very high credentialed academic background. What from all of that has been the most useful for dealing with what you're dealing with now? Wow. Um, honestly, if I were to think it through. Um, I actually think the fact that I studied, um, had a liberal arts degree and studied the humanities has prepared me, I think, the best for being a business owner and prepared me the best for dealing with all of the crap that we're going through right now. <laughs> and <laughs> if, I, if I were to put it like nicely. Right. Right. It's like a and, bowl of. <laughs> and, and, work, and working at Carvel. And working at Carvel, like that, that in essence is like great. I mean, and one of the reasons for that is like kind of studying liberal arts, studying the humanities, you kind of like, you learn certain skills about like empathy, you learn, you read you about people's like different experiences, you learn how to write, you learn how to read. And I know it seems like really fundamental and basic, but I think, you know, having that type of way of looking at the world has helped me a lot of just constantly wanting to learn. I think that that's what really pushes me to want to like solve more problems out there. You know, it's like, okay, there has to be a better solution. Um, yeah, so I would say probably that has been the biggest education for me. You know, it's, 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 fu it's funny you say that because most people that have had your kind of background say the same thing. I know from my background, mm -hmm. doing international business and international negotiation and trade, my psychology degree, has been right. the most helpful. Right. Not my yeah. business, not my business degree. No, I mean that you can learn on the job, right? right. Like you you can figure that stuff out. But like there's critical thinking of like being in a very ambiguous situation and having to figure out how to navigate that. That you know, you learn that just through like living and experience right. and reading. And, and, and the tragedy you're seeing is that a lot of universities faced with cuts are cutting the liberal arts. Right, right? I and know. focusing on you know just on the uh, the core, you know, right? Steps, Absolutely, steps. and uh, that's a tragedy because I agree with you. You need yeah. this this gestalt learning experience in order to grapple with and and uh, succeed when unexpected things like COVID pandemic Absolutely. You know, affects your affects your life and your work. Yeah, I mean, like, and you see that with like you know, I, I have a, a lot of friends who are business owners. And, you know, I obviously know a lot of people in the university and just um, they're, they're having challenges with finding, you know, people who are capable of, you know, critically thinking, you know, thinking critically and um, 
being able to communicate in a way that where you really understand people's experiences. I mean, especially now with everything going on with, you know, the Stop Asian Hate and, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and all of these components, like you can't separate everything that's going on in society with what's going on in business, right? Like those are go hand in hand. And it, I think it does take, you know, someone who really has to be very intentional with how they're navigating through the world and thinking about their, their own experiences to be able to navigate business as well. You just mentioned stop Asian hate. Mm-hmm. And for our listeners, you know, Michelle Yui is an American born of Taiwanese parents. Cha- uh, Hong Kong. Hong Kong, yeah, excuse yeah, me, yeah. Of Hong Kong mm-hmm. parents. Um, and you've written about the, uh, you know, anti-Chinese and anti-Asian sentiment mm-hmm. that's taken place, not only in general, but in your life specifically. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been really hard. You know, I have my, my father is like 83 years old. He lives in New York. Um, you're having these random, you know, acts and random attacks against Asians within their own community. And it's really, really scary. And like a lot of people, a lot of my family, my friends are really scared when they get up in the morning and walk out in the streets. Like they don't know if they're just going to be randomly attacked just by their color of their skin. Um, and it, it's, it's really, really horrible. And it's one of these things that touches, you know, me really deeply and a lot of people in my community, because when somebody makes a, a racist attack against me, one thing I always say is they're not only attacking me, I'm a, I'm a big girl, I can handle any, any comments, but they're also attacking my family, my friends, my community. And it's a lot deeper when, when somebody kind of goes after that. And so it's just, uh, you know, it's been really, really challenging and hard. And I've spoken to a lot of people um, who are struggling with, with dealing with it. It's also one of those things that people, especially within our, our community, don't really talk about. I mean, you you kind of grow up to try to assimilate as much as possible. Mm. Um, and, you know, growing up in, in New York, same thing. You know, we, we use education as a way as like a, a kind of to level the, the playing fields. And this is why a lot of immigrants, you know, kind of come to the to U.S., especially the Asian-American immigrants, Southeast Asian-American immigrants, you know, Jewish American immigrants as well, you know, kind of come to the United States to, to use education because that's a one kind of level playing field that they could engage in. And um, that's why there is such a big push on, on education. And so, you know, people don't really talk about it. It's definitely an un, unreport, underreported thing because, you know, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. Well, this, this acceleration of Asian American hostility, hatred, whatever, it's being spurred on by what? what what's what's the root cause I mean, of this? Yeah, I mean, this like kind of comments and attacks against Asians have have happened since Asians have been in the United States. This is not right. like all of a right. sudden. It, it's a but it's definitely been brought on obviously by COVID, um, obviously by people calling it you know um, the Chinese virus, um, you know, like and obviously brought on by the ex-president of the United States um, of being very, very vocal about that. And that's just when somebody in that character or that, you know, elevated status, you know, makes kind of open attacks against Chinese people or Asian people, um, it kind of gives um, the ability for other people to be more open about um, about that as well. And have so, you, Michelle, have you encountered any of this anti-Asian American sentiment and bias and, you know, in your in your day to day business? You know, I it, I don't think I have, you know, nothing that's been really overt. You know, I haven't um, had any comments said to me. I'm also not very much in the forefront of my social media for women bigger necessarily. I am on there, but I actually have not seen that. I have seen it in my personal life. You know, I, I definitely have, you know, walking down the street in Missoula, you know, some woman cross like walking by me saying, make America great again, you know, or making comments like that, or, you know, being in the supermarket and being over eight to 10 feet away from someone and someone saying, you know, you need to back up away from me, you know, and, you know, so different comments like that I've, I've seen and, and 
But again, this is things that, you know, as someone who is a person of color, you unfortunately kind of deal with things like this on a macro and a micro level right. your life. Um, but those are the two more common things that have come about. That's so disappointing to hear, by the way, but not surprising, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 like it's one of these things that's it's really interesting because again, it's not something that I share openly. I don't like go home and put it on social media that something like this has happened. And um, more recently in some of these interviews, when I've made these these comments, I have friends say, you know, reach out to me and say they had no idea that that um, I was having kind of racist comments said to me or just not aware that things like that had ever happened to me before. And, you know, I can totally see how obviously it's not something I broadcast openly. Um, but like I said, unfortunately, if you are a person of color, you're you're likely going to have comments like this said to you. And if you, the assumption should be a more on the side that probably people are getting things like that ha- happening right. to them. Not. You- you're absolutely right. There was more of a of a condoning of it by the former president of the United States. And there's a lot of ignorant people in this country, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and and they like to play this game that, well, I'm I'm not prejudiced. I don't discriminate. There isn't any there isn't any institutional racism. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, and that's ridiculous. Right. I know. And and, and there is. I mean, of course, there is that is just there. They're living underneath a rock. Tim, Tim oh. Scott, the senator from South Carolina, said there's no. Who's, a, who's an Afro-American, the uh, the only Afro-American Republican senator. And uh, I think he's the only Afro-American Republican congressman, I believe. But in any event, he said in the same two sentences, there isn't any institutional racism in America. And I've been stopped 18 or 19 times by the police for no reason. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and it- it's not and a it's, semantic it's, issue. It's right. Real. And it's it's exactly it's it's not one of those things where um obviously there's those open attacks that are blatant, but these the kind of these micro things that that happen, um that you're you're just like, is this a coincidence or is there something more systemic here? Most likely there's something more systemic here. Sure. You know, um you know, numbers don't lie. Beating up an, an elderly Asian woman on the street for no reason. Yeah. Is is not just random. No. You know, somebody somebody was, you know, jacked up thinking that, you know, all this coronavirus was caused by Asians and sees an Asian mm-hmm. and, and just, then they yeah, right. Yeah. And and a lot of these attacks are happening towards the elderly, which is yes. really, really sad. I mean, these are old people who you know, can't really fight back in the same way. And, um, you know, a lot of times, again, they don't say anything because of the language barrier, because um, they don't want to draw attention to it. And or so, just the culture, the cultural. Yeah, issues. culturally, it's just one of one of those things um, that is just never, never talked about. Yeah, let's, I want to just do a quick ID. Our guest is Michelle Ewing. She's the founder of Vim and Vigor and now a new company, Shop Dot. Arnie, um, you're in Maui. You're in New York. Where are you going to next? Where am I going to next? Um, I'm going to go back east to see my family because it's important for me to um, eat some different types of foods. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I need a good Italian restaurant. I need some dim sum. I need, you know, some soupy dumplings. These are like the. Pre- I need a pizza. I need a bagel with schmear. I need all of those things. <laughs> yeah, you're talking our language. I know, I know. My favorite <laughs> Jewish men from the East Coast. The yeah, right, you know exactly. Right. We're cutting the same cloth. We are. We are. <laughs> well, the one thing that you don't get in Missoula, unless you get it by you know, new people moving in here and and, and diversifying the population bases. Back east, you have all of these cultures living in one area, and you get a mm-hmm. chance to experience that without having to leave the city. You can go Absolutely. and get, you know, I was reading, I'm going to be going to New York on Friday, and I was just reading about a new Filipino restaurant and, yeah. you know, Hon- Honduran food right. and uh, all the other things you mentioned. You can get that all in one city. Here, we have a hard time, you know, branching out from from a very narrow range. You know, we, we certainly now have some Japanese Food. 
We still don't have a great uh, Chinese selection in town. No, no. We don't have we don't have much ethnic food of of any kind. And no. when you're when you're brought up on it, when you have that available to you, you know, on on an easy basis, yeah, you miss that because it's part of your it's part of your growing it's up. A, it's, it's part of it's your a heritage. Huge, it's a huge part of um, my culture, and it's it's funny because in Chinese, um, you know, people don't they don't really like my dad. He calls. He doesn't say like "How are you?" His expression is "Have you eaten yet?" in Chinese. Right. Right, and yeah. that's the expression. And I remember um, one time, Kyle, my partner, who's not Chinese, he my dad calls him, and it's nine o'clock at night. And he picks up the phone, and and my dad's like in his English, kind of "Have, have you eaten yet?" And he's like, <laughs> "What?" He's like, "Have you eaten yet?" And then Kyle's like your dad's asking us if we've eaten yet. And I was like, just say yes. Just say, just say yes. <laughs> because like all that matters is like, if you've eaten, you're good. Like there's only like two ways I can get my dad off the phone. Number one is I need to eat or like I'm working. Like then he'll, that's the only way. If there, <laughs> you know. Let me ask you this question. So your love of food, your love of different delicacies and your yeah. business acumen and online shopping have you been yeah. have you have you kind of figured like how the cats's delis and gold bellies and you know oh have you sampled all those services of and, what are, thoughts, okay. and what, are <laughs> what are your thoughts on that what are your thoughts on that and why uh, yeah. why can't wait hold on two-part yeah, question yeah. Yeah, so what are yeah. your thoughts on that from a front-end perspective and how can they improve second question and third question is is there a legitimate decent a distributor of Asian food from the coasts that is doing online work? Because I can't think of one. Yeah. So I have, I've ordered Cat's Deli. I've ordered um, Lox and H&H Bagels from New York. <laughs> what I've uh, ordered. I've from H&H ordered... or from Gold Belly? Or from... No, it's Gold Belly. You know, do they deliver H&H with Lox and New right. York? Um, and I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, a fine product. It's expensive. Obviously the shipping and all the packaging is really expensive, but you're kind of paying for that experience. Mm. You know, you're like, okay, it's not something you're going to be getting every single week, but if you're missing some East coast delicacies, you're going to go for it. I haven't quite found, um, Asian food in the same way though. Like these types of delicate, you know, like, yes. Oh, no one, no one's shipping dim sum, you know, like no one's gonna, I, but I think dim sum is part of the experience. You have like, it's fresh. The, 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 it's fresh. you have the aunties pushing the cart and you're like <laughs> screaming at them, you know, what you want. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, PF Chang's and the grocery store doesn't cut it. For, doesn't cut for, it. For, like, no, it doesn't yeah, cut it. Yeah. I'm like, Never. you know, the lettuce, the, the lettuce cups or whatever, like yeah, it's yeah. the same. That's not what I'm craving. Yeah. <laughs> so you you'll like to know this. So my plane arrives at five o'clock on Friday at at uh, LaGuardia. Mm -hmm. At six thirty, I'm going to be in a Tang Pavilion on Fifty Sixth Street having orange beef. Oh my God, Arnie! <laughs> let me give you let me give you a little tip. He's out in Queens, Michelle. You should be in Flushing, Arnie. No, yeah, no, I'm in New York City. New I'm in New York City. City. No, no, I know where you're going, but I'm telling you, go to Flushing first. Because Flushing, the, Flushing is good stuff. The best Chinatown is in Flushing. It yeah, is. I know that. Well, it, that's yeah. true. That, that, that it is, is true. Yeah. I used to go there with my Tai Chi class. We used to. But, in but, Tang, Pavilion, but Tang Pavilion is two blocks from my hotel. So that's, that's good. The difference. <laughs> yeah, that, that's convenient. It's walking I distance. I know. Oh. I, have, I have my entire food menu for the New York trip picked out. Saturday night's Le Bernardin for Ooh, French seafood. French restaurant, delicious. And, and then on uh, Tuesday, I'm going to uh, um, a, a new Asian fusion restaurant. It's what a Michelin it? one star. I knew you were going to ask me. I, <laughs> I, I, I will tell you in uh, in two minutes. But uh, And then on Wednesday, I'm going to a, 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 Mexic, a new Mexican place. So I'm going to Cosme, which okay. is the Mexican place, which is a one star restaurant. Michelin and the Asian American fusion place is called Tuomi. Okay. Okay. Are you, gonna be, are you going to Brighton beach at all for your whole old haunts? Oh, no, I'm not going to Brighton beach this time. No but, Brighton beach. Okay. No, but I've been thinking about it, And Scott knows this. 
I, I've uh, I've been thinking about spending the entire month of August in in the city, in Manhattan. That's awesome. Just so, to rekindle my roots. So yeah. I, he I, he he's gonna he has to do it, and it's great, Arnie. I think I may be going at the end of August too. So perfect. So Michelle, my fantasy is <laughs> to lure. Um, I know you're familiar with this place because it was born out of a basement in Flushing. Uh, what is it? Xi'an Famous Foods. Famous Foods, yes, yes. Okay, I think we can get them here in Missoula. And oh, okay, okay. How, how are we going to do this? What's I'm not of- sure, but I think <laughs> I need an emissary. Jason is the owner of that. I need to. We need to figure out how to do this because I think it would be a hit in Missoula. I think so. I actually think Missoula is like ripe for so many, like so many cool restaurants and, you know, different types of foods. I think we're ready for yes. that. Well, I think people, there's so many new people coming here from like cities who are going to want to have that experience too. And a lot more college graduates staying here, you know, with ATG hiring so yep. many UM graduates and they're, they're yep. now earning, you know, good salaries and you know they want to have a little bit different you know experience we have I, to I, introduce I you michelle to frequent guest of our show andy holleran who is the developer who just developed the ac hotel in town Ooh. and he's all prior to that he developed uh the merc and he's a foodie and he okay. he has been trying to figure out how we could bring new types of foods and delicacies to town. So he's already on Ooh. that that tip. Okay, I'm I'm interested in this. Do we need? I think we we may have just already created a little think tank. <laughs> yeah, may, uh, like a like a food incubator right here. Yeah, well, yes. it hasn't been that Cuisines. long ago. It hasn't been that long ago. 10, 12 years ago, that a friend of mine had a Italian restaurant in Hamilton, <laughs> and was cooking there grandmother from Brooklyn's Italian recipes. And they finally had to shut down and leave because when they served <laughs> pasta with marinara sauce, almost half the people that came in asked for ketchup. What? Oh my God. <laughs> to put on, to, you know, cause it didn't taste right to them. Didn't taste the way they were used to having sp- you know, spaghetti. Yeah. Where is your partner Kyle from? Where is he? Where is he's he? He's from right? Jersey. He's from your haunts. Where? Uh, East Brunswick. East Brunswick. I grew up two towns away. What town? Metuchen. Metuchen. Of course, I've been on the train, the yes. New Jersey Transit. They say Metuchen. Yeah, that's awesome. What's he doing here? He's a history professor. At the university? University, yeah. He teaches American history. Give him a plug. What's his name? Kyle, Kyle Volk, V-O-L-K. Okay. So he teaches some very popular courses. One course is um, Intoxication Nation, which is a history of alcohol in the United States. It's very popular. That's an interesting wow. topic. And he, like, during kind of pre COVID, he would take the students on um, different kind of tours um, through Bairn and Montgomery and, um, you know, well, he must, the we may, Scott, we may have to have Kyle on the show because I'm very interested in the topic of how there's a lot of pressure on teaching a revisionist American history that removes mm-hmm. references to slavery and all yeah, this yeah. other kind of negative stuff. And that's, you know, that's horrible. Yeah, I mean, there were absolutely. 50% of the people in this country under 21 don't know what the Holocaust was, Ugh. you know, that, and then, you know, that. they're not, you know, as schools move away from, you know, teaching the things that are, you know, that are necessary, important, that yeah. well-rounded education, you're going to lose touch with this. They're not going to know that. Uh, I would say that 75% of uh, people under 25 would have no idea that Japanese were interred in the United States. During yeah, World War II. absolutely. They would have no idea I that know. we had prisons for Japanese. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it must be tough being a history pe- professor and having the responsibility and in some cases the obligation, the academic and, you know, obligation to try to give a factual you know, picture of what took place. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's really challenging for sure. Unfortunately, the two cop topics you've discussed, people's lack of knowledge of history and the anti the anti sentiments of Asian Americans or Jews or other, they're connected deeply. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh that's unfortunate and uh that, that we're going backwards, not forwards. Anyway, I know. Let's take- and if anything, we should be looking at history as a potential exactly. guide. Yes. Let's take you know, a quick like, break. 
I was going to say, let's take a quick break. Um, our guest is Michelle Yui. She's the founder of Vim and Vigor. We're talking all things, actually all things beyond Vim and Vigor. We'll be back <laughs> after these words. If you came across a child struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you recognize a 13-year-old boy who gets into fights at school, not because he's a boy, but because he's hungry? Or a two-year-old girl who cries all night, not because she's sick, but because she went to bed without enough to eat? Or maybe a nine-year-old boy who hopes a friend invites him to a sleepover, not for fun, just so he can have dinner. Or a 15-year-old girl who goes for walks over lunch, so her friends won't know she doesn't have anything to eat? I am the one in seven American children who struggle with hunger. Kids you pass by every day, but never knew were hungry. I am child hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 food banks strong. If you want a job with stability, excellent wages, and a generous benefit package, consider Pyramid Mountain Lumber, a family-run, locally-owned company. At Pyramid, there are no out-of-pocket health care costs for employees and their dependents. That's medical, dental, life, and disability. Entry-level positions with no experience necessary start at $17 an hour. Skilled positions up to $26 an hour, depending on experience. Multiple positions available in each category. Applications online at PyramidLumber.com or call or stop by the office in Sealy Lake. Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. You can always find people who are helping. Thank you to all the first responders who put their lives in danger to help us when my brothers and sisters and mom and dad and grandpa and grandma need them. Thank you, first responders. This is what I signed up for as a first responder. I am constantly worried about being exposed to this virus and potentially bringing it back to my home and my family. I'm going to continue going to work day in and day out and providing help to those that need it. Be safe, look after yourself, and look after one another. Thanks. Learn how you can help first responders in your community by texting BRAVE to 24365. Unused prescription opioid pain medicines can spell trouble. They can spell risk if taken by someone they weren't prescribed for, harm if accidentally taken by a child or pet, or overdose if they're not used as directed. Safely dispose of opioids before they can hurt your family. Find a drug take-back option such as medicine drop boxes. You may find these in your community at local pharmacies or police stations. Visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, this Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're back with our guest, Michelle Yui, founder of Vim and Vigor. So, Michelle, now that we're forming this food think tank and work group, <laughs> and it, in addition to Vim and Vigor and ShopDot and all the other things you're involved with, how do people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about, you know, Vim and Vigor, which is a great company. I have your products. They're terrific. And, awesome. and then and the new, the new ShopDot launching, which is going to be very useful for comp Main Street, Montana companies. How do they Absolutely. get a hold of you? So you could go on uh, vimvigor.com. So that's the website for Vim and Vigor, V-I-M-V-I-G-R.com. You can also go on shop.app.com and sign up if you're interested in learning more about shop.com. Or you can email me at michelle at vimvigor.com. So if you want to reach out to me about any of the projects I'm working on, feel free to reach out. Fantastic. Scott? Uh, Michelle, I'm taking uh, orders, pre-orders for my trip to New York. So if there are things Perfect. that you need me, you need me to bring back, I'm uh, I'm ready to go on that. Michelle, you're a delightful Great. guest. We love speaking to you, and it's great to catch up. And hopefully, the next time we interview or see you, it's in person. 
I would love that. That'd be fantastic. Take okay. care. Take care. Bye. Aloha. Aloha. Travels. <laughs> and shalom. See you next week, Arnie. Shalom. See you next week. <laughs> Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO. Every day, Doctors Without Borders teams confront hard facts in conflict and crisis zones. When others might look away, we step in to act. Because measles still kills more than 100,000 children every year. We're there to vaccinate over a million worldwide, including those affected by the current outbreak in Democratic Republic of Congo. Because half of all maternal deaths occur during delivery or within 24 hours, we've assisted more than 1.4 million births around the world, including care for new mothers in Afghanistan. Because some countries only have one or two mental health professionals, we offer counseling and clinical care providing over 400,000 mental health consultations worldwide last year, including care for migrants and refugees on the dangerous journey north from Central America. The fact is, your acts of care and compassion make our life-saving work possible. Picture the impact we can have together. DoctorsWithoutBorders.org Hi everybody, I'm Kristen Chenoweth. When our service men and women return from war, they often carry wounds that the rest of us cannot see. Up to one in five veterans who served in Iraq and Afghanistan are diagnosed with post-traumatic stress. And often, even the best treatment, including medication and therapy, they fall short. Sadly, more than 6,000 veterans die every year from suicide. Thanks to the life-saving power of the human-animal bond, professionally trained service dogs can help. But connecting a veteran with a well-trained service dog can be difficult. Wait lists are long and training can cost tens of thousands of dollars. But service dogs can bring healing. If you're a veteran or know a veteran struggling with post-traumatic stress or traumatic brain injury, please go to AmericanHumane.org to learn about their Pups for Patriots program, which provides dogs to veterans for free of charge. Let's help our veterans heal from the invisible wounds of war. Teen alcohol. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.